0: Good morning, today's scripture readings is from Numbers chapter 11 verses 24 and 30 and Acts 2 verses 1 to 8 and 14 to 21. So Moses went out and told the people that the, what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of the elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with them, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the seventy elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out of the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' age since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. And on to Acts. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who speak Galilean? And how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams.
1: Giving me a red light. Uh, uh, don't step on that, please. Sure. Oh, it is working, though. Oh, it's on. Okay. Okay. I don't need your help yet. Hold on. Wait, wait. I'll tell you. Go sit until I tell you, okay? I'm not ready for you yet. Then? Okay. I'll get your help in a minute, okay? So I have two baskets today because it couldn't all fit in one. (laughs) All right. You can help me in a minute. Okay? So I brought some things with me. Some candles. Some balloons. Some presents. I think we're going to have a celebration. What do you think? Yeah? Any idea what kind of celebration it might be? It looks like a birthday party. All right. So and I also brought the other most important part. Ah, cake. The cake. Yay, the cake. All right. So um, oh, the cake's really not the most important part. It's only because I need something to stick candles in. <laughs> and you kind of have to have one at a birthday party, right? So, whose birthday is today? Nobody's birthday is today? 20 years old. old, Okay. Well, it's the church's birthday today. Did you know that? Pentecost is the day we celebrate the birthday of the church. Um, So, I have some things to help us remember. What happened? So, I have some balloons. Not much fun this way, are they? What do they need? They need They need air. They need someone to blow into them. Blow more? (laughs) You want it to pop? Well, balloons, when they're blown up, are a lot of fun. We can think of the, the air, the breath that goes into here, as the breath of the Holy Spirit, the wind that came on that day of Pentecost. Doesn't sound like a mighty rushing wind, but... We can imagine that it's a mighty rushing wind blowing into our building here, blowing into each one of us. So we have balloon. Okay, we got a balloon. Good. Now, we have candles, because why would I need candles for Pentecost? Yeah, the the tongues of fire... I I do. I don't have a lot, but I have some. We're going to put those in. They didn't have red. This was the closest I could get to red. I was kind of disappointed. It looks kind of red, the cake is kind of as close to red as I could get. Um, It wasn't, they had a lot of blue and green. I'm like, come on folks, it's Pentecost. You should have red and orange. Okay, so we have candles. We'll we'll light those in a little bit, but we're not going to light them yet, because these kind of candles, Last, but the gift that the Spirit gives us does last. And last but not least, we have gifts. This is where I need your help. Can you come help me? Um, And Hayden and Maya, can you come help me? You can each open one gift, okay? Which one do you want to open? That one, okay. You open that one. So go ahead and open it up and let's see what's inside. Open it up. Open. Come on. Look at you. You look like twins today in your red shirts. Okay. Open them up. Let's see what's inside. You've got a Santa box? A Santa box. <laughs> That's a piece of paper. Let's see. Can we see what this piece of paper says? Do you know what that says? Yours has a paper too? Life. New life. life. New life. And this one? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, okay. You can just put it here. That's all right. This one yeah. says forgiveness. What do you have in your box? Don't worry. It's not going to jump out at you. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. Oh, that's all right. Let it go. No problem. You know what that one is? That says truth. These are gifts that the Spirit gives us. The Spirit gives us truth. The Spirit gives us forgiveness. And the Spirit gives us new life. We have a pretty amazing God who sent all these wonderful gifts to us um, so that we can know the Holy Spirit as part of us. So, what I'd like for us to do now, I'll blow it up in a minute. I'm going to light these candles, and we're going to sing, okay? What song do you sing at a birthday party? Happy birthday. birthday. All right, so let me get these lit. Ah, well, maybe I'll get them lit. I don't like holding a a lighter because it always burns my thumb. Ah, Come on. Yeah, come on. This candle is not cooperating. Ah, come on. Yeah, you know, we don't have birthday parties at our house all that often. so. No, I just need two hands that work together. I'm getting there. I'm almost there. There we go. Put this one back in. All right. Everybody ready? We're going to sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday to you. All right. Now, on the count of three, we're going to have a mighty rushing wind, and you're all going to blow them all out. Ready? One, two, three. Good job. All right. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can celebrate the birthday of the church. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the gifts you've given us, for the talents and abilities you've given us to spread your love and your word. As dominoes knock each other down just to make a pattern, as pebbles in a brook make rings of reaching out to others. Let us be the ones that reach out to others to share your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthday, church.
2: Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so grateful to you for forming the church so long ago and for forming this community here. Thank you that you are still doing a work here, and we ask that you will help us to listen and learn and be transformed, help me to speak clearly, so that we can continue to do the work that you have called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if it wasn't clear, today is Pentecost, (laughs) and it is the birthday of the church, but it actually has another name, and I'm not brave enough to pronounce it, so can I? Shavuot? Are you up to giving us a quick glimpse of what Shavuot is? Right, so it's a celebration of the law of God. It's, uh, Pentecost is, comes from a Greek word, and that's what Christians call this celebration, but it was already a celebration before the thing that happens in Acts. The thing that happens in Acts occurs on Shavuot. So the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of God in us, occurs on the day that the law, the Torah, is being celebrated by the Jews. And that's why all those people were in Jerusalem that day, because they were celebrating this festival. So um, it's the birthday of the church, but it was already a celebration. It was already a time that the people of God were gathering together and being glad together about things that God has done. And I also want to challenge the birthday thing a little bit, because sometimes I think we, I love, I love this. This was perfect for our children's sermon today, but sometimes I think, especially in Baptist, maybe white Baptist traditions, um, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around the Holy Spirit, and so we don't, we feel a little nervous about the Holy Spirit. And so I kind of wonder if sometimes we, Prefer to talk about the birthday of the church rather than the arrival of the Holy Spirit because we can understand a birthday a little better <laughs> than we can understand what the Holy Spirit has to do with anything. So um, I have shifted in how I think about this day. I also used to I used to post on social media all the time, "Happy Birthday Church," and that's appropriate. But um, maybe we need to remember. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. So um, one of you years ago said, well, it was one, one day it was Pentecost, and I said, this is the day that it's Pentecost, and one of you said, what's so important about Pentecost? And I said, the Holy Spirit came, and it still looked like maybe it wasn't connecting. So Pentecost, the Christian version of Shavuot, is a celebration Of when the church began, and the church began because the church is God's plan to get humans back to the role that we were supposed to have from the beginning when God created us. We are supposed to be reconciled reconcilers, loving the world out of its chaos into the loving order of God. And The law has something to do with it. That had something to do with it in the Old Testament, but also it still matters to us. Um, But we can't obey the law by ourselves. We can't be reconciled by ourselves. We can't love the world out of chaos into order by ourselves because even when we are saved through faith in Christ, our minds and our hearts and our actions have been affected by the thinking and feeling and actions of the world. They just have. We can't avoid it. It's the environment that we're in. But it is possible to be reconciled reconcilers to bring God's loving order into the chaos of the world if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, which we do if we have said and we have meant that Jesus is Lord. One of the other lectionary passages for today, that we didn't actually read in the service, um, is 1 Corinthians 12, and in verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, it is the Holy Spirit who enables you to say, Jesus is Lord. You can't say it and mean it without the Holy Spirit, because making Jesus Lord means Jesus is in charge. He's the boss. He's, He takes precedent over everything else in our lives. And we can't actually, uh, people, we don't want to give up our boss-ship of ourselves. And so we cannot actually give it up without the Holy Spirit's help. But if we have done that with the Holy Spirit's help, then we have the Holy Spirit's help to do all the other things, mostly be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit was always part of the plan. Remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Trinity, and I kind of, this is dumbing it down a lot, but I kind of said, God the Father is God for us, Jesus, God the Son, is God with us, and the Holy Spirit is God in us. It's not saying we're God, it's saying God has blessed us by coming into our lives and it giving us the power to live like him. We were always supposed to bear God's image, by bearing God in us. This is crazy, if you think about it. We were always supposed to have God in us, God's spirit in us, making our thinking and feeling and doing line up with what God would do if he were here in person, which he was one time, but now, you know, remember that phase of WWJD? What does that stand for? What would Jesus do? So so this is, I didn't invent this, but I can't remember who did. So um, somebody said, it would have been better if the question were, what would Jesus do if he were you? This is the Christian life. What would Jesus do if he were you? We all belong to Jesus. We've given ourselves to Jesus, most of us in here anyway, and we have, um, and so Jesus' spirit is in us, but we all have personalities, different personalities, different skills, different gifts, different perspectives, and the Holy Spirit's job is to transform all of those things in us, not to make us all look like exactly like each other, but to make us all look like Jesus if Jesus were us. So... If Jesus were me, what would he do? If Jesus were Sandy, what would he do? If Jesus were Lori, what would he do? This is the Christian life, and this is what the Holy Spirit enables to be possible. God planned this. God intended it for his glory and for our help, but most especially for the good of each other. God wanted to unite community in Jesus, like we talked about last week. So this is why this is also the birthday of the church. Because if God had just wanted people to all be exactly the same, he could have just made that one person back in Genesis 2. And that's great. And then that person could have been the human version of God on earth and just done all the work themselves. But... God said it's not good for the human to be alone, and we are not intended to be alone. Not everyone gets married, not everybody's in a romantic relationship, but we're not intended ever, anyone, to be alone. We are to be in community, and this is the community that, for whatever reason, God decided was a good idea. So. Last week we, did, we talked a little bit about communication and you know just normal human squabbles and how those things get in the way, and this is the side note, but it's actually the point. All of those things can be overcome, we need to work hard, but th- those things can be overcome because we all have the Holy Spirit working in us. So we're, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but... Let's look at this kind of weird little story in Numbers that Mark read for us. This story is embedded in another story, which is also weird. Um, So here's the context that didn't get read, that wasn't in the passage this morning. Um, The people of Israel are in the desert, and they're whiny, we know this. And they're hungry again, they're sick of manna. And so God basically says, Listen, I am going to give you meat. And I'm going to give you so much meat that you get sick of it, literally sick, it's going to come out of your facial orifices. it's just it's going to be gross <laughs> um, and th- so they're they're complaining in this story, Moses is pretty um, pretty good at advocating for the people in most of the first five books of the Bible or four um, but he gets kind of sarcastic at God in this one. He basically says, right before the passage we read, he says, did I father these people? Did I ask for this job? Are these my kids? Why did you give me this bunch of whiners to take care of them? Where in the world am I supposed to get enough food to feed them all? Understandable. I don't blame him. Before God tells him the plan for feeding the people... And, by the way, that plan you might consider um, to make the people sick by giving them so much more of what they wanted than they could handle um, also shows that God was probably frustrated with them. (laughs) Before he tells them this plan, he says in the passage that Mark read in number 6, in 16 and 17, he says, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people, Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Again, it is not good for the man to be alone. God is going to create a community. In this case, it's a community, a team, to help Moses lead these people. This is what the Spirit does. Moses rounds up the elders like God tells them, and the Holy Spirit rests on them, just like the Spirit was with Moses. And they prophesied but did not do so again. We could guess what that means. The Holy Spirit didn't leave them. They did some kind of miraculous thing that exhibited that they had the Holy Spirit, but clearly the Spirit didn't leave because God wanted to continue to use them, to help Moses. Two of the appointed people don't actually show up to this meeting, but the Holy Spirit goes over to them anyway, because they were already picked, and they start doing the same thing as the other ones, but they're in the camp, and somebody finds them and comes to Moses and says, Eldad and Medad are, are prophesying in the camp, and Joshua, who's basically at learning at this point, says, Tell him to cut it out. Make them stop Moses. Why do you think Joshua wanted Moses to make the two that hadn't shown up stop? Okay, maybe he thought they weren't doing it right. That's another good thing, good thought. It wasn't under their control. Here's the 70 people, and they're all with Moses, and the Holy Spirit comes, and they're all doing something, but they're all kind of contained. And then there are these two guys out in the camp, and we don't. What's going on there? Um, Moses says, "Are you jealous for my sake?" So it's almost like Moses. Moses discerns. Joshua thinks Moses needs to be special. And, okay, like, here are the people, and they're, and they're with Moses, and so there's some kind of organi- organization here. But those people, like, they're not even doing this under Moses' auspices. And Moses says, no, don't make them stop. I wish the Holy Spirit would be on everybody in this camp. I bet he did wish that. <laughs> Given the way most of these people were, <coughs> I wish God would, like, please let them have the spirit and prophesy in the camp, because the camp needs it. I wish everybody had this. The Holy Spirit is for everyone who belongs to God with God as their Lord. Before Jesus came... God would put his Holy Spirit on certain individual people, and sometimes it would be for their whole life, and sometimes it would just be for a period of time when he wanted that person to do something specific that was empowered by, directly by God. But the Holy Spirit himself is not exclusive. The plan was never for things to stay this way. At Shavuot, after the resurrection, Peter quotes the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So God is saying, this is in the Old Testament that God says this originally. Peter's quoting it in Acts, but... God is saying, there is a day coming where I'm not just going to pick and choose a couple of people every so often that I need to do some specific thing because God intended for us all, for all people always to exhibit him in the earth. And so he's saying both male and female are going to receive the Holy Spirit. Both young and old are going to receive the Holy Spirit even on my servants. Some translations say even on slaves. So it doesn't matter what your gender is, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your social status. None of those things matter. They might have mattered before. They don't matter anymore for belonging to the people of God and receiving the Holy Spirit. Everybody who belongs to the people of God can receive the Holy Spirit. And God wants to pour out his Spirit. Remember when we talked last year about the parables and we talked about the prodigal son, but I called it the prodigal father? Because prodigal means wasteful, actually. And God is kind of wasteful, so generous, overly generous, crazy generous with his grace and with his Spirit. God God doesn't just want to sprinkle the Spirit on a couple people here and there and you just get a tiny little bit. God wants to dump the Spirit out on everybody. At the Last Supper, Jesus promised his disciples that they would all receive the Holy Spirit once he returned to the Father. And right before he returned to the Father, he reminded all 120 of them, there were 120 at that time, to wait for the Spirit in Jerusalem because the Spirit was going to give them the ability to be the church, basically, which means the ability to go everywhere and make disciples of people from every nation. Let's note this. Not converts, disciples. There's a difference. You can make a convert without the Holy Spirit if you have the right skill set. I don't have that skill set. I have a really hard time convincing people of things by myself. But some people, in this room even, are good at changing people's minds, persuading people to do things. Some people are really good at that. You don't actually need the Holy Spirit to make a convert, but you do need a Holy Spirit to make a true disciple of Jesus, because you aren't actually doing it. You're just opening the way, you're facilitating the connection between that person that you're talking to and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can work through our words and our works to make disciples. Disciple means student, originally, but a disciple of Jesus is someone who is learning from Jesus, who says Jesus is Lord, who wants to follow Jesus, and who is allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their life, too. And only the Holy Spirit can forge the kind of community, the kind of church that God intended. Because we're all human and we all have our different personalities and our quirks and our preferences and our things that make it hard to understand each other and get along sometimes. But the Holy Spirit can help with all of those things. Last week we talked about exam season and how after we've learned a bunch of stuff, we need to find out if we can practice it. In the case of the church, we can understand in our heads what the ideal community looks like. But in practice, first of all, it's probably going to look different, mostly messier, (laughs) and be a lot more work. But on the other hand, It's work that's worth it because it can happen because we have the Holy Spirit. We never have to go this alone, and we should, frankly, if we try to do this without the Holy Spirit, we might as well just go home. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the church. If the Holy Spirit's not here, what are we doing? We could sleep in on Sundays. But with the Holy Spirit here, a community will be formed, even little like this, which the world will not be able to stop and which will bring God glory. If we have truly given Jesus our lives and given him the keys, then the Holy Spirit already lives in us. So, let's ask the Holy Spirit to enable us to love each other and be the community that God intended. God has poured his spirit out on all people so we can communicate the good news well to people. God has poured out his spirit on all people so we can do the good work that God prepared for us to do. And God has poured his spirit out on all people so that we can love each other and love the world like Jesus did by the Spirit's own powerful love Flowing through us, which was exactly the way humans were supposed to function in the first place. So let's pray, Um, and I hope that you will consider um, as we pray whether or not you are open to the Holy Spirit. You may already know that you are, um, but you may not have really thought about it in those terms before. And as I pray, Um, feel free to invite the Holy Spirit to show up, to take more, um, more control of you and give the Spirit the keys. It will be really cool to see what God does in our church at this time. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you that you are one and you want us to be one. You are three in one and you want us to be a whole bunch in one, um, united in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit living in each one of us. Holy Spirit, I pray that all of us will be willing to let you transform us to look more like Jesus so that we can find out and the world can see what Jesus would do if he were us. In his name, amen.